Ready? Yes, sir. All right. What's up, Print Hustlers? Matt Mark out here, and I'm at Relish. So this is Derek, a buddy of mine. We were talking a little earlier, trying to remember how we even became friends. It was kind of like being in Chicago. I would go to all these different events, and I'd run into Derek and seeing his brands keep growing and growing and growing, and lucky enough to call him buddy now and wanted to come check out his space and learn more about him. So what's up, Derek? Not much. Dude, thank you for having us, man. I'm really, really stoked. Um, Obviously, we're here at your shop. We're seeing your auto, your manual, your entire process. I don't even know the whole story of how Relish came to be. How did you jump into this? How did you get to this? What is what is Relish? So tell me about your business. Tell me about your brand. Tell me about Derek. How did you become this version of Derek? All right. Yeah, well, that was a lot. So I guess we have to start back um, when I was going to Columbia College in Chicago for graphic design. And I honestly, I enrolled in graphic design and didn't even know what that meant. Like I was an artist mm -hmm. first and foremost. And I'm like, well, I'll try graphic design. And I get there. I never even used a Mac computer before. So that was a, a learning curve. And um, I just kind of fell in love with the city, just like walking the streets every day, going to and from class. Mm -hmm. And so I had this like appreciation for Chicago, but I noticed there was never any like merch. Like, there wasn't anything cool that you would be proud to wear. So obvious gap in the in the industry there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to fill that gap. And um, so I started thinking of like different things that I would like to wear. And that kind of bread relish. We came out with like a, a hockey related design early on. That was my first design. And uh, it was just in the office that I was working in. And it just kind of blew up. They were telling their friends. Um, we sold a bunch and I was like, wow, I really like this feeling. So that's when I started like, okay, what can this look like? Let's make a whole business around it. Nice. And so I um, researched like names. I wanted it to have something to do with Chicago, but not in your face. Right, right. So you think of that Chicago style hot dog, that bright green neon relish for no reason at all. There's no pickle that is that color, no. but on the hot dog it is. So. Yeah. So that really stands out. And I like to think that my clothing designs stand out. Mm -hmm. So it's like, don't be plain is one of our taglines. So relish Chicago style clothing. Yeah. Dude, I love it. So you're, are you from like up here up north originally or where are you from? Yeah, so I grew up right down the road in Round Lake. Okay. And we're in Gray's Lake right now at my screen print shop. Um, but went to school in Chicago, Columbia nice. College. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of like the origin of yeah. where it kind of like bred. What year was that roughly? I graduated at Columbia College in 2010. Okay, yeah, dude. So it's been 13 years now you've been building this brand. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I was telling you a couple minutes ago, I can't go a weekend in Chicago. I live in Chicago, so like summer is in Chicago in the summertime. I know we're a little biased, but yeah. there's not many places better than Chicago in the summertime, in my opinion. Like right. it's one of the best places yeah. in the world. I can't go anywhere in Chicago without seeing two to 10 relish designs walking around. And you're so right. There's been for the longest time, like the same repetitive merch you'd go buy when like you go to like the Sears Tower and like a little exit of the gift shop, like the same yeah. boring cut and paste or like whatever the boring like O'Hare shirt is that week is like the same old stuff. Yeah. You definitely. It's like a hand-drawn bean and it's just over like Chicago, and over. Illinois underneath. Yeah. And like the worst print ever too. Mm -hmm. Like two colors somehow out of reg and your yeah. stuff is obviously <laughs> a lot more than that. 
So you mentioned the hockey thing. I know my wife's got a shirt that's it's your Hawks shirt with like the, the, the skull, like almost misfit style, yeah. right? Yeah. That shirt is one of her favorites, but you toe the line a little bit between kind of dipping into like MLB and NFL and like we're looking here, you've got this awesome Chicago with a, a, a I mean, it's a 91, 92, 93, three-peat, right? And you've got a skeleton that's got a 23 shirt that says relish, right? You've got some like Cubs style looking stuff, but you're not actually using their branding and stuff. But I think it's really done a lot for almost, I've seen like going across the street from where like the Cubs play, going to those little places, I see your stuff in there. And now I'm starting to see like them up their game too. So I feel like you're like kind of dipping into like poking at them and making them step it up too. What, if, what has been the response from like some of those more official things that you're kind of encroaching a little bit legally, but getting close? Have you had any pushback? Have you had any like cease and desist? Or have you had like collaboration opportunities? What's that looked like? Well, first and foremost, I don't know what you're talking about. This is just some guy in a basketball jersey, you know? So it's red, for white, sure. and black. Yep, you for know? sure. Yep, yep, absolutely. I don't know what, don't know what lines would my cro be no. crossing. But I did experience, I had an Etsy shop back in the day, and um, some of the guys in the MLB didn't like what I was doing. Maybe I was crossing the line a little too much mm -hmm. with likenesses and whatnot. Right, right. Um, so I kind of toned it back a little bit stick with more skeletons and I guess just like colors and, you know, so far so good. Um, I mean, I guess what the, what the purchaser envisions is on them, not not what you put. Nothing on here is crossing a line, but if they are envisioning it, that's on them. Yeah. But have you seen any of these like brands kind of give you more attention? Because honestly, you're just, I would rather go buy a non-official, not have even on the brand of the team cool design that makes me feel that way versus a lot of the like meh designs the teams are coming out with. Has that opened yeah. doors for you at all? Um, I think it may be opening doors. Obviously, um, I think like the actual official licensing are kind of limited mm -hmm. to like, here's our logo on a t-shirt, done deal. Right. We try to distress that logo or make mm -hmm. it a little fun or like kind of street. Um, now it, it won't get like passed through licensing or whatever. Got it, got it. Um, I used to work in like college licensing, so I know a lot of that, like I would try to use a different font and it would just get turned down. Mm. It's like, all right, this is so boring, right. you know? So I think like I do offer something that you're not gonna get in the official team stores. Mm -hmm. And so it's something a little more edgy that I can kind of run wild with my own vision mm -hmm. and nobody's telling me no, but um, the response has been great from the customer base, it's like, the only problem is uh, getting it out there, right? right? So um, I'm doing a lot of Facebook ads, Instagram ads, street fests, stuff like that. Dude, you're at every street fest. I try, I try. Dude, how many did you do this summer? Uh, 15, <sighs> yeah. And you got a pretty big booth. Yeah. Like that's not like a, just pop a tent in the back of the truck and just go, like yeah. you're probably setting up for a day before the, and then taken down for a couple hours every single event. That's a lot. Is there even yeah. 15 weekends in the summer? <laughs> I don't think there is. That's insane. Yeah, not so, in a Chicago summer, there's not. <laughs> right, yeah, that's a two, two yeah, weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, you had, I saw something on, on Instagram. You had kind of a nightmare story going to one of these festivals. Oh, do you, <laughs> do you wanna share that? Or do you have any other kind yeah, of nightmare yeah. stories? Because I mean, honestly, we all learn from each other's industry and like, I learn from my failures 
And when people can share their mistakes or their misfortunes and their failures, it's always like, oh my God, I just saved myself because I'd totally do that. Yeah. So I think that's always fun to kind of like get out there. So yeah, either that event or anything else that comes to mind that's been like a uh-oh moment that you've had. Yeah, so I think the one you're thinking of is the, the truck situation. Yeah. Um, so you're used to driving your own vehicle. Uh -huh. you're, you're pretty aware of how wide and tall it might be, but mm -hmm. sometimes for these festivals, you gotta rent something that's a little bit taller. Mm -hmm. and, and now these bridges that you might pass under every day normally, you can't pass under so well. So, but yeah, we got in a little situation with getting jammed underneath the bridge. Uh, Very embarrassing. Um, and we had, uh, so luckily some cops were trailing us. They saw it go down. Uh, so they were there on the scene immediately. So they were able to call it tow truck guy. And they tried the nice way of wedging it out. Letting the air yeah. out of your tires and see yeah. if they can just like squeeze you out. Yeah, they tried that. It was jammed under there pretty good. Mm. And so then he just started having to yank it out. And uh, yeah, it was uh, almost 15,000 in damages. So yeah, that's that was uh, a lesson to be learned for sure. So everybody so go buy some merch right now. <laughs> yeah. Watch. And let's help cover this $15,000 bill. <laughs> and watch the signs. All the bridges have signs, apparently. How tall they are and like <laughs> yeah. measure your truck. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah that, I, I read that and I was like, oh, I totally would have done that too. Always get the insurance too. Yeah, yeah. did you Did you not? I did, yeah. Oh. I always get the insurance, yeah. But the insurance only covered small things and luckily my personal insurance kicked in, took care of everything else. Okay, So okay. deductible, that's all I had to pay. Right, yeah. right. So it was, a, it was a learning experience. It wasn't that bad. All right, that's, that's a good one. So. Somebody else that is maybe trying to, not in Chicago, but another city, trying to help bring some of their passion, their art, their love into designs for their area. How, what's the best thing, like if you could look back and do it over again, like what would be like the first one or two steps that you think is like the most important to start off notching your own little corner of a market? Yeah. Um... I mean, it's a, it's a grind no matter what you do. I think obviously you gotta be pretty good at what you do. Mm. So if you believe in yourself, you've got some good stuff that you want to show people, mm -hmm. you just have to get in front of them then. Mm. So that's why I go so hard on the festivals and Instagram and Facebook ads. Okay. I find that when they see it, they're prone to like it and buy it. Mm -hmm. um, so you just gotta give it time too. You don't, you can't go into it and all right, let's print 200 of this shirt because hmm. you don't know what's going to happen yet. So you start small. We were talking about DTG mm -hmm. earlier. I haven't used it. Um, it's gotten a lot popular now. Mm -hmm. But when I was first starting out, that wasn't really an option. around. Right. right. So we were just printing small quantities, 24 here. Um, now it might cost a little bit more to print 24 of a six color design, but you don't have boxes sitting in a closet Right. at your mom's house because right. yep. you can't move out yet. Right, right. You know, you're investing in t-shirts. You're, mm -hmm. not, you're not spending money on rent or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, I think just getting it out there is like the main thing you have to do and let the people tell you what they want. Mm. And so you kind of follow that like, okay, well this style is doing really good. Let's do a few more of that and see if we're onto something. If not, try something new. Be willing to oh. accept, like, I like it, but they don't. Yeah. I guess I'll put that away for me to wear, and just me, I have 24 of these for me now. Yeah, right? yeah. Interesting. So, did you start 
screen printing all your stuff out of the gate or were you outsourcing it to shops to do it? Like, how did you go from being, you said that you had never worked on a Mac, so you're a traditional, I'm assuming, artist of like tactile art. Mm -hmm. How did you then, you learned how to use Photoshop, Illustrator, start outsourcing those jobs at first or would you actually get into screen printing yourself and just start from scratch? Yeah, so right after college, so I did go to school for graphic design, so I learned, I was a master of Photoshop and Illustrator coming out of college, mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, not because of the classes, but I fell in love with it, and just on the weekends, giving myself assignments, whatever, mm. my own artwork. But I ended up, uh, right after college, working at a shop that took on screen printing. They didn't have it at first, they were outsourcing. Oh. So I got to be there from the ground up, how do we screen print, basically? Nice. They thought that I just knew it all. And so they're like, hey, just so you know, we're starting screen printing on Monday. We bought all the equipment. I was like, okay. Awesome. How do we separate colors and do that? They're like, I thought you knew that. <laughs> well, I don't. So there was a, a big learning curve there. Right. So I got to learn everything in house, mm. you know, and then um, now I had this new knowledge and I, I fell in love with it, to mm -hmm. tell the truth. Like, yeah. You get into um, the little ins and outs of what you can and can't do, mm. and and you might uh, also like try to stretch it and see what you can get away with mm. that maybe somebody's telling you can't get away with. Yeah, I'm like well, let's see if I can. So I got a I got a lot of learning curve on my own that way. I was also bartending on the weekends, saving up that money because I now had a plan B. I can do this on my own. Yeah, I got a few. Um, clients that were only coming to us for my artwork. So I knew like I can break away and kind of like, mm -hmm. I have at least some clientele mm -hmm. and then I can do my own thing as well. So that bar money went in a box, saved it all up, called up M&R, what do I gotta do to start off? So I got a package put together and started printing out of the garage. Dude, that's so awesome, so awesome. If you, so you got an auto now, yeah. Right. Start off on the manual. I know for, for Sound and Fury, my print shop, we're looking at going to auto now. I think everybody I talk to, it's like, if you could have gone to an auto earlier, would you have? And it's almost always resounding, hell yeah, of <laughs> course. But I think there's something to learn about having to do it manually. So if, if you could give advice to younger you or another person who's like looking at like, okay, Maybe I'm doing like a single head in my garage. Should I go to a bigger manual and focus on that? Or should I just go ahead and make the jump? I have the clientele. Should I make the jump? I kind of think you should go manual. And then if you need to go quickly to the auto, because I think there's a lot to learn about the process in that. But curious to have, if you think it the same way, like did you, do you find there was value by, because you had to pull the squeegee and learn those things manually before going to the auto? Or do you think, screw it, you can learn that and it's a lot easier on your body if you go automatic? No, I would definitely start out with manual. Yeah. Um, for one, you're not gonna jump into it and buy an automatic press and learn it's not for you and you right. don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, and then- Hopefully you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. right. Because then you might have to hire somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, fortunately, I was able to buy my own manual press and get it going by myself. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't start off with an automatic and then have to hire somebody to run it and now you're just like, on the back end. Or you're on the it. press and you're not running your business and then, oop, there goes sales. Yeah. Do you yeah. think from like the artist standpoint though, like <clears throat> helping physically put ink through substrate onto, onto the shirt, like being the physical artist, 
there's something to be said about that too, where you kind of like almost back out of that a little bit on the auto. You're still mm. doing it, but it's not quite as tactile. I think there's like an art benefit almost to like being hand pulled in some cases as you're kind of yeah. like discovering your brand identity, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that you put it that way because I think when I was in college, I was just kind of like making digital art to make digital art because I was always like a hand drawer and then I learned that I could put it on computer now and like colors were unlimited and whatnot. And then you go to screen printing and it kind of gets limited again. Mm -hmm. But you find this, this cool aspect about it, like these limitations to only six colors or four colors, but getting it to work with your vision mm -hmm. is, is pretty exciting for an artist. And there's almost like you can find a new style in it too. Mm -hmm. So I think I found my style because of screen printing mm -hmm. as opposed to just having unlimited whatever, like no, yeah. no boundaries. I think that the, the artists that I respect and the mm -hmm. designers that I respect, I think that's kind of one of, the, one of the things they all share. It's like they're phenomenal artists who then found a way to make phenomenal prints as opposed to just being a phenomenal artist and like, okay, you go DTG this for me. Okay, yeah. that might be someone's jam, like nothing against those, so that's your jam. It's not my jam. I, I want to see how are you going to translate four colors to a shirt and make it look like it's a lot more life than four colors. How are you gonna do those things? I think that's one of the things that draws me to your work. It's always like, how's, holy, look at all those little details. He's looking at five colors, what? Like that says a lot about the art that you're doing and how you're laying that I think people lose that when they just try to go right into we're a print shop as opposed to looking at it like there is art in this. Like, mm -hmm. don't lose the art. I think it's really, really important. Um, so one thing that I also have to talk about, the shirt you're wearing. <laughs> Whoa. So you obviously, I mean, I'm looking around. There's a couple different different uh, bands that you get to work with, too. Mm -hmm. How are you able to take this awesome streetwear brand that you've, you've crafted and now start to get into the music industry and start to collab with like some of the most well-known faces in music in the last couple of decades. How did that happen? Yeah, so this is one of the um, clients that I, I got from my artwork first. So we started screen printing for them because of my artwork. Nice. And um, I think there's something to be said about being an artist that um, you can almost find your way into a conversation with the people that normally wouldn't give you time of day. So I was able to, um, with a t-shirt that I made, catch the attention of somebody on their record label. And so from there, we got a relationship going, hey, can you make more shirts? Sure. And so that snowballed into, hey, can you make a tour shirt for us? And then it came into like, now you're doing stuff for the gathering or their Halloween, you know, concerts. And, and now you're like almost full time making designs and printing for them. So yeah, Insane Clown Posse has been like a huge learning experience mm. because I got to work that out in my garage and they were very patient with me to, wow. to let that happen. But also I think they were getting a good deal too because mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing like financially either. Right. So they probably got some shirts on Dude, low, but you were <laughs> running a massive brand out of your garage. Yeah. Like if that's not like the dream of everybody, like that that's proof you don't have to have a 60,000 square foot with 100 employees. You just have to be able to put in the work, have the conversations and 
like you said at the very beginning, believe in yourself mm -hmm. and like be able to take those steps. That's crazy to me. You're doing ICP stuff out of your garage. That's huge, huge. Yeah, it w and it was a lot of late nights too. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've been there too. Like mm. early on, you think you can produce a couple hundred shirts in a couple days, but then you're talking about six color front, four color back, mm -hmm. and you're like three days into it, and you're not even on the back yet. You're just you're crying. Like, what did I, yeah, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and now you put in a couple overnighters in, in a row mm -hmm. just to meet a deadline so they can yep. go on tour with their tour shirts. I mean, we've we've missed some uh, some deadlines as well. And that's where you learn a lot about yourself, mm. about your relationship with the client as well. Mm. Luckily, they were really cool about things and giving us more opportunities and chances. So, um, I mean, it's just like a, a trial and error always, you know, mm. like, especially out of the garage. I mean, you learn so much by mm -hmm. yourself. Maybe there's YouTube on or just some some music in the background, but you're, it's pretty lonely. As, as an artist and a designer, it's hard to hand over your files to another print shop and trust that they're gonna do it properly. Because mm -hmm. a lot of, especially larger print shops, and when you're getting started, they don't wanna handle a 24 piece job. So they're not gonna give it the proper care that this is your everything. Those 24 shirts mean so much to you and it's your artwork. So. I early on was very like, I need to do this myself because I need to control the quality. And I want it to be certain sizes. Some, some shops have limitations on sizes. We were talking a little bit about my auto mm -hmm. earlier, limitations on sizes. So sometimes we print on the manual just to get a job done the way that I envisioned it. Mm -hmm. So I think becoming my own boss was, I had to buy the equipment to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And as that started growing, then, you know, now you're doing boss stuff. And yeah. You're hiring employees to help you out, so. Did it ever feel like, did you ever like stop and think about <clears throat> that? Or was it just kind of a natural progression that's like, this is what I'm doing today. This is, or did you actually plan out like, I have to be my own boss. I have to do this, I have to do that. Or was it just like, every day was met with new opportunity and you just kind of like took advantage and went for it. What was that like? Yeah, I don't think I, I do a whole lot of good planning at all it's it's kind of day by day yeah that's fair that's yeah. fair we're gonna have a delivery here what's up craig what's up he's all me i think so yeah um let's see oh no that's that's usps, USPS. Right, that's these ones then? yeah just those cool Do I, if I steal your box today yeah steal it it's yours <laughs> thank you all right take it easy man <laughs> all right you too you just what do we got there it's probably a hundred between those two boxes probably a hundred individual orders going out yeah is that like a weekly, that, daily? That um, we ship daily. I'd say we probably get like 20, 20 to thirty orders a day, somewhere in that ballpark. So then we have a weekend right now, obviously. Right. right. Plus the Portillo's drop was last week, so we're fulfilling those orders. So we have a few hundred to fulfill. Damn. Yeah, that's so awesome. It is. It that part never gets old. Question that be as transparent as you want to be. How does somebody figure out how much to put into ad spend? Like, it's such mm. a hard thing. It's like, do I just like put all my chips on that and just hope it works? Like, do you, have you found like a, hey, we recommend 5%, 10% of revenue as an ad spend. Have you found a sweet spot that works for you? Now, again, if what you're selling, no one wants to buy, the ad spend means jack, right? Yeah. Um, so 
obviously you have to have something people want to do the do the work up front of being seen, being at the events, doing those things. If someone feels like they're hitting that spot and they need to start doing some, some my shop, for example, no idea. Like I can I can do Facebook ads and Instagram ads. Like once in a while, I'll be like twenty bucks, and like I'll be like cool. I sold four that paid for that. Yeah. But it's like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Like, is there? Would you recommend like, hey, if you're not going to spend a hundred, it's not even worth it? Or like, have you found any kind of like basic variables to help somebody get going? Um, I think you've got to be smart and look at the numbers and what the ads are telling you. Uh, you have to spend a little bit to get more accurate numbers. Mm -hmm. So obviously if they're only being shown to, if you put a little bit of money in there and they're only being shown to a, a small pool, you're not going to get great results. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've got you to be able to put a little bit in and kind of read the numbers let it ride for a little while too. Okay. So I got into the ads because COVID happened mm. and there's no longer in-person events, no festivals. Mm -hmm. That was our bread and butter. Right. So it forced me to learn uh, Facebook ads. And at first I was just doing the 20, 30 bucks a day, see where that got me. And um, I just did a lot of research, you mm. know, and I got obsessed with that aspect of it. And um, then you could start reading the numbers afterwards. If if it's telling you that it's a winner mm -hmm. and it's doing well, it's got a little little fire to it. Let's pour some gasoline on there. Right. Let's do three hundred a day. I got don't care it. what it costs. Right. You know because that comes back yeah, at least threefold. Right. That's that's the money spot for us. Okay. If I put in thirty bucks, I'm hoping for ninety in return per day. Got it. You know. So right now we spend about three to four hundred a day. Okay. That's yeah. actually great to know. All right, but. Yeah. You're an established brand. I wouldn't recommend someone. It, it took us a while to get to, there. Get to that yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's good to know. And then if someone's just trying to like test it out, what do you think is the lowest you'd recommend they put into an ad? You're saying like 20, 30 bucks, you're not really getting enough. Is that like, should you just wait until you have 300 bucks to throw out something and see how it goes? No, I would start with about 30. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just let it ride. Give it 10 days, two weeks. To 30 bucks per day, so like a 300 spend? Yeah, got yeah. It, then you'll it. be able to read the numbers a little bit better. Mm -hmm. If you got, you got to look at the ROAS at the end, right, return right. on ad spend. Mm -hmm. So that's where you really got to know, like, is this worth it? Got you it. know, if it's, if it's like a dollar back or something, oh, yeah. Right. Not really. Are you letting it find the customer base for you? Or are you like, did you like go in and like make your specific clientele? What have you found works better? The like, it does it on its own? So when I first started, you had to give it a lot of information to find your customer. Now it's like very intuitive. Like if you let it run for like the 14 days or so, it's gonna find these pools of people and learn from that clientele what they're kind of like doing and looking at what their fans their are. Their niche. Yeah. yeah, and then it's just gonna hit more of those people and it, it finds it for you. Got it's, it. It's really smart. So it's you also can't, you kind can, of scary. You, you can trust the like, let us do the work, we'll find. Cause I've, I've looked at too, I'm like, I don't think I know better than Meta. I'm pretty sure they know better than I they do. They know like, more I than we'll ever know. Yeah. <laughs> more than we want them to know, yeah. probably. Yeah, Yeah. interesting. So this this space, you've got a couple employees now. What's next? What What is the plan? What where, I mean, I know you said you don't necessarily always have a plan, but I mean, right. you're, you're busting at the gills in a good way in this space. What are you, what are you hoping? What's, what's like, what's the dream? Maybe not what's the plan. What's the dream? 
I think the dream is, because um, right now we're printing, obviously for ourselves, but we're printing for a lot of local businesses as well, which mm -hmm. is awesome. But I think the dream would be to be big enough to keep everybody in-house busy to only be printing for what we're making. Mm. So then um, we're only like sending out our product and uh, printing for ourselves. But also growing from that point on too, I don't want to be one of these massive print shops with 15 automatics or anything like that. That sounds like a nightmare. I want to keep it niche and keep it, mm -hmm. like you mentioned printing as an artwork. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it as an artwork and not as a number. Right. Like we've got to meet these numbers. This has got to get on press and out and contract printing and all that stuff. That's not for me. Right, right. Yeah, this is an art form mm -hmm. and we want to keep it that way. Yeah, I love it. Hell yeah, man. Dude, this has been an honor getting to come check it out. Like I said, I've known you through Chicago for years and always been a huge fan, admiring what you're doing. Really appreciate you having us out. Obviously, it's great that you use Printavo as well, but regardless, yeah, yeah. Uh, stoked to come out, get to chat with you, see your digs in person and be able to nerd out on all your stuff. So thank you so much for having yeah, me. I appreciate thank you. you. Yeah. I appreciate everything Printavo does because... I'm an art dummy, so anything business related is not me. I'm taking notes too, man. <laughs> yeah, we, so, we all learn from Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's how so it goes. whatever Printavo can lighten my load, that's that's all the better. Hell yeah, appreciate yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Right. Well, All right, so the perfect way to end a, a relish tour is with the Chardonnay, very Chicago thing. We're all about Chicago here. You're the only person that I will let talk me into. I've actually sought you out to do shots in the Lord at festivals. Otherwise, you're not this the only never goes into me. So, cheers to relish. Thank you so much, folks. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> yeah.